0: Hello High School Tennis Coaches, my name's Dave Mullins, I'm the Managing Director of the Intercollegiate Tennis Association. Thank you for joining me for the very first episode of the ITA High School Tennis Coaches podcast. Today, I speak with Bobby Kleinecke. Bobby is a legend in tennis coaching circles, having coached high school teams for 16 years and spending 26 years in the college game as the head women's coach of the Texas A&M Aggies. He is currently the executive director of the Texas Tennis Coaches Association. In this podcast, we discuss some things that changed in the 26 intervening years between the stints as a high school coach, some mistakes less experienced coaches are making, what advice he has for first year high school tennis coaches and how to get more players to try out for high school tennis along with much, much more. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Bobby. Bobby Kleineke, welcome to the ITA High School Tennis Coaches Podcast.
1: (laughs) Welcome, and uh, happy St. Patrick's Day.
0: No, thank you. Yeah, I'm not wearing, the Irish
1: background. I'm not
0: wearing my green today. I guess I'm. I'm my my blood is green, so. Uh, oh, yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. The first episode of, of this podcast, um, and no better guest to start with than yourself, Bobby. Obviously, a, a rich history and the tennis industry as a whole. But uh, spent several years in the high school space, several years as a as a college coach. So you've you've a wealth of knowledge. To to share with our listeners. So I've lots of questions lined up for you here. You ready to go?
1: I'm ready. I'm ready. Bring it on.
0: Okay. So you started your coaching career in high school, then you took a 26-year hiatus to coach at Texas A&M. What, if anything, had changed about high school tennis by the time you came back to it in 2011?
1: Right, I, I would say that um, probably you know a lot was the same uh, in the sense that uh, you, you know you're you're it's more it's more about the kids in high school. Uh, the winning is not the key thing, um, and so you know let's face it, high school coaches. Aren't getting? They're not losing their jobs because they're not winning. Uh, they might lose their jobs for other things, you know. But they're they're judged on their teaching in the classroom, how they treat people, things like that. But, but I'd say one of the biggest differences was the the status of tennis uh, in the schools. I I was you know I, it seemed like when i was in it before and in, in uh in, and i left in, in 1985 it, it seemed like uh tennis was a higher it was higher on the totem pole i mean obviously we were never i mean i'm in texas so we were never uh, as high as football or you know basketball but but you know we we were up there and uh you know i think uh, uh now you know now that i came back again i just felt like it dropped a lot um hmm. for whatever reason you know uh the budgets were lowered that was a that was another big Key. I don't, you know, when I was first in it, you know, I was, I coached for seven years in high school before I went to AM, and, and, uh, uh, I never had, I never had to go out and raise money for my budget. Uh, but when I got in, the budgets were so low that, that you had to raise money to do anything extra, you know, about, to, about the only thing you could do is buy balls, uh, with the money you were given with the budget. So that was a big key. Um, and, you know, on a, on a kind of funny note, I, I never in the 80s, I never remember having to wait at the courts for players to get picked up at the end of practice. after matches and you know whether maybe maybe at that time there wasn't as many uh you know there were more more parents staying home with the kids and so they were driving more uh i am not quite sure what that was but uh it, you know since i've been back in high school it's like you're 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 constantly waiting for them and you can't leave because they they they're, they're there by themselves you're responsible for them so i think that's a big thing um you know i it uh having uh uh when i first went into to, to Willis High School. Uh, I had had one class of players. Uh, there was no JV class. There was no, uh, you know, first period. We, I kind of worked my way into that. But, you know, I had complete beginners uh, in high school all the way up to, uh, you know, state ranked players. And, uh, so, you know, it's like teaching, a. a you know, I, I was a math teacher and, and, uh, uh it was like teaching algebra and calculus in the same classroom during the same period. So, you know, that was kind of a, a an adjustment there. And I never remembered that before. Uh, you know, some of the, uh, Uh, Funny things, too, is, you know, the low compression balls, the foam balls, all those things came out, thank goodness, because uh, when I first started going over to the junior high and had some junior high classes... Uh, there was no tennis courts at the junior high. So I had to uh, be in a in a cafeteria. We'd take all the tables and move the tables. And we'd put uh, nets out and use foam balls in the cafeteria. And if I needed them to move their feet more, we would play balls off the ceiling. And, you know, they had to move a little quicker. So, I mean, you had to be creative in that sense. But, uh, you know, before that, I don't think there was ever anything like that. I mean, your tennis was on a tennis court. And, you know, that was it. If you didn't have tennis courts, you didn't have tennis. So, you know, those are some of the, the differences there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like quite a bit has changed. I I can only imagine. But so, you know, you, like I said, spent 26 years as a college coach, had a very successful career at at Texas A&M. Well, why did you have an urge to go back to high school tennis, right? You could have called it a day and put your feet up and enjoyed retirement, but you wanted to get straight back to it. Why, Why was that?
1: Yeah, well, I you know I did retire from A and I, I, You know I, uh, um, I I wasn't ready to give up coaching. I didn't think yet, but I didn't quite know what to do. I, I like I said, I did retire. I had all of that. Uh, I had all the retirement money, and uh, but I got an offer from a, a high school program. It just got me thinking, and and uh, I was like, you know, what might be fun to go back to my roots and uh, and to finish up in in the high school where I started. And uh, you know that there was so much uh, emphasis on winning in college, and I know it's. Easy even gotten worse now, uh, in that sense, uh, it, it was a completely different feel. I remember, uh, you know, uh, the first match I coached, you know, I, I, I would still keep in touch with a lot of the college, you know, friends and, 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 Coaching buddies, and you know, they asked me what the difference was, and I was like, "Gosh, it's like you know, you're you're watching the kid play, and you're you're still hoping they'll win, and in, in, in the worst way, but you're hoping they'll win for them, not as much for you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in your record, so that so mm-hmm. that you keep your job." So, I mean, it was refreshing. It was pure. It, uh mm-hmm. uh you know, in that sense, was a lot of fun, and and you know, I, I my career was already made, so I didn't have to um, I, I didn't have to to worry about Winning the district championship, winning the state championship, or, or moving to a to another job. I had I had a number of offers, you know, to move to better programs. But it wasn't about that for me, so I think that was uh, that. That's the way it kept it in perspective, and and so that was kind of fun. And then, you know, the last thing is I was very, uh, uh, you know, with you with the ITA? I was very into um, helping the ITA. I was on committees. I was, you know, I was on you know on all of those. I don't remember exactly the name of them anymore with the ITA, but the operating committee, I think it was. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the TTCA, I was uh, when I first went into to Texas A&M, I was the vice president ready to be president. And then I had to kind of back out of that for him. And so it was very important to me that I got back involved in that. And uh, so then I became president. and Now I'm the executive director. So, you know, those associations and, and those things, I knew I would have a void if I didn't have those, those associations to deal with. So I think that was another thing that kind of pushed me in that direction.
0: No, very good. I mean, hats off for you to to stay involved and and all your contributions. Uh, I know in Texas, um I, I, I have no doubt, are not lost <laughs> on on anybody down there. So um we hope you're 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 at it for another twenty six years or so. Um, I don't know about that,
1: but <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I
0: remember telling my my kids at Willis.
1: I said, well, I was you know, I kind of gave when I first introduced myself to him, I was giving him my career. And I said, Okay, so I was at uh, Corsicana for one year. And then I went two years to, uh, uh, to Amarillo. And then I went four years at Bryan High. And then I went 26 at AM, and I said, I can guarantee I'm not going to be here for 52. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well, yeah, I'm interested to know, kind of, again, uh, you, again, started your coaching career in high school, went to Texas AM, But when you came back to the high school, like what were some of the things you had maybe learned uh, during your time as a college coach that were actually applicable to uh, how you were going to run a high school program? What are some of those things that you had learned along the way that you started to implement that were helpful?
1: You know, I I would say that um, uh, every every coach realizes every year that they coach they get smarter and smarter. I mean, there's there's things you learn no matter what level you're coaching, you learn different things as long as you've got your your, your eyes open and your ears open. It's you're gonna pick up a lot of things. So, uh, it was the number of years. If I'd have spent 26 years in in high school, I would have mm-hmm. I would have known a lot more too. So, mm-hmm. but as far as and you know the the responsibility's the same. Uh, you know, obviously your responsibility Responsible for kids in college because the parents have dropped them off or sent them to you, and, and uh, uh, you know you're kind of their parent. That the responsibility is the same there, but. I guess it's I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the the word for it, but I guess the uh, requirements, uh, you know, or, or the importance is so much higher in college, uh, for good or bad, uh, and so that part became easy uh, because I was used to the college, wor- you know, world mm-hmm. there, you know, just the responsibilities of turning in uh, uh, expense reports and and being where you're supposed to be and dressing professional and all of those things, you know, it, it was it was magnified in college, so that was very easy for me uh managing a budget uh was was simple because there wasn't there wasn't much there compared to an I remember I showed I showed the AD uh at Willis my budget at AM and and uh you know he he just shook his head he says I don't have that much to to spend in the entire athletic department much right. less in one sport, you know, or, yeah. or in, in, in tennis, you know. So he was amazed at that. So I mean that that part was pretty easy. And uh uh I guess one of the big things is is uh you made a career of picking a lineup and, and being able to sell that to the players. And so when you get into high school, you know, there's so many high school coaches that, that depend on, uh, you know, the results of a challenge match or whatever. And and that's de-emphasized in college. At least it was, you know, when I was, when I was coaching the way I ran the program. Uh, but, uh, you know, and so the parents, you know, kind of accepted because of where I was, they accepted the lineup a lot easier. You know, I had my assistant coach was kind of saying, Oh, you're going to get a, call from this parent. And, you know, I never did. It's just like, you know, I think they just kind of accepted that. So that's another thing there. And, and uh, um, you know, I think uh, uh, the, the, the rules following the rules uh, uh, with the, the ITA, those were, you know, the rule book in ITA that, that was kind of uh, um, I don't know, it was tested and it was tested by, you know, mm-hmm. coaches that are fighting for their lives and uh, so when we got in, we, we were talking about rules with the TTCA. These high school coaches felt like, you know, oh, well, I'm going to get it taken care of. I'm going to take get taken advantage of if this rule says this or I don't want to I don't want to look at changing that. You know, I, I always wanted the rule books to say exactly what. You could and couldn't do, and in high school we don't always have that way. You know, there's some of them that are vague, but they're afraid to to do them. I said, look, you know these, you know lineups is a is a key example. Mm-hmm. That's been tested by by coaches a lot more devious than what what you are as a high school coach. So, <laughs> you know, you need to to, to sit and, and you know let's have the rules say what we really mean. So right. those are things that I think uh, you know kind of influenced
0: me a little bit uh, from a And M coming into the high school ranks. And and was there anything that humbled you a little bit when you came back to high, uh, high school tennis in terms of, okay, here I am, you know, power five coach, I've, I've got this all figured out and I'm going to do this, this and that. And, and it, it fell flat on its face. Was there any stories around that?
1: Yeah. You know, you, you, uh, the coaching was so different in the sense of, um, you know, what you would tell your players during the matches. I mean, really in high school tennis, if you keep the ball in play, it doesn't matter how how you hit it, if you keep the ball in play, you're going to win a lot of matches and have a lot of success. Whereas in college, that's not the case. So how you, how you went, that was kind of a, that was, I guess in a way it was humbling that, uh, you know, you're like, wow, wow I, I, Look at look at the play right here. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I could tell you stories that of things that happened. It would be like you know, first day of practice. Even my wife came out to watch the match. Of course, you know, you've been to the stadium club at AM and you you've mm-hmm. seen that how close that is to that court one. You know, and so mm-hmm. she's standing there on the fence. She was a communications director for the district, and she was standing on the fence. And you know, my number one player actually shanked a serve and popped her in the side of the head. You know, it's like <laughs> I've been watching all these matches at A i I've never had that happen. And <laughs> Here I am, one practice enough.
0: I... Is she okay?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. She was. She was fine. It wasn't. I mean, he framed it off the racket, so it wasn't a hard hit. But it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So the level of play is, is, is what's humbling, but, uh, you know, I'd say the coaching ranks are, are, it, it's the same, that the, the camaraderie that all coaches have, whether it's high school, college, uh, it's genuine. And, uh, you know, that's, I that, that kind of missed that from the college ranks that, uh, you know, keeping up with the, with the, the, the in the recruiting, uh, yeah. uh, trails and things like that, just being able to catch up with them. I'm sure you do the same thing.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was out of the college game for three years living back in Ireland, but it's been so fun fun to come back and reconnect with so many coaches. So I, I, yeah, I completely relate to that. So, well, just, um, you know, going again, back in, into uh, moving from college into the high school space. Again, I, I would imagine at high school, you're managing larger roster sizes than, than you did at A&M. How, how did you adapt to that? And, and what are, what's some advice you'd give coaches in terms of managing large roster sizes?
1: well i i would say i'm i'm kind of a type a personality and so i've always been the organized type and so when you have a lot of numbers you have to be organized and and uh, uh i think it, you know coaches that that uh, are kind of fly by the seat of their pants in high school we got all those players i think that's a little bit uh it's a little harder on them but it, it really was an adjustment with the roster size i wouldn't say um you just have to readjust your plan you know you have to keep them busy i that's what we wanted to do of course i always had the the camps at A and M that I drew on, and and uh, you know, so I mean, had I had so many players in the camps that that you're almost managing those the same way, uh, you know, you just kind of move around the courts and and uh, just try to keep them all going there. But uh, you know, it, it was actually enjoyable coaching guys again. You know, I mean, I obviously, uh, you know, I, I watched Joe Sessions during your uh, your um, uh, convention this summer, and uh, you know, they had that one on the, the differences in coaching girls, and I, I was so interested in that. But, you know, obviously we all know that if you coach girls, you can't coach guys the same way or or, you can't coach girls like guys. Maybe you can a couple of them, but not as a team. And so, you know, it was kind of enjoyable getting out there and coaching the guys again. Um, You know, adjusting the drills. uh, You know, you have to almost trick the players into uh, using fun to help them get better. Uh, Whereas in college, you tell them, look, I want you to hit – thousand balls cross court you know and they you know they're, they're able to do it more and, and they realize what it is where in high school you've got to make it a, put it into a game situation and fun so uh, I think that with with the larger rosters having having the fun in the practice is key adjusting those drills and and uh, uh, I've always emphasized team whether I was in high school or in, in college and I think that's uh, that's another thing if you emphasize the team uh, you know you you can do that I I can remember the first day of practice the drills I set up, you know, I thought I had the best practice in the world, you know, and, you know, I show up and it just, it was a disaster because they couldn't do what I was asking them to do. So I had, that was a big, big change of having to uh, you know, adjust how I did it. I remember being on the phone with three or four coaches that night. Okay, now how do I do this? Because what what's going on? Now? <laughs> you know, so there's a, a lot more hand feeding and and things like that, especially right. depending on the level and the 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 lower levels that you've got. Whereas in college, it's a lot more live ball and 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 uh, you can get away with that. But uh, you know, um, the 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 team camaraderie. I got a lot of uh, uh, there's some great high school coaches in Texas, and I got a lot of ideas from them of you know. Doing uh, uh, team building exercises and that, that fit right in. I I couldn't pull them out of town and have a, have a retreat like I you, you know we did in college. You just didn't have the money for that. But but uh, you got a lot of ideas from coaches on on how to do the team.
0: Hmm. And and how do you know when a drill isn't working, Bobby? Is it just uh, the it's breaking down too quickly? People look bored. They're disinterested. They say they can't do it. And and are you know, I think sometimes coaches they do a drill and they say you know in their practice plan it's like okay we're going to do this for twenty minutes, and they maybe don't pick up on the the cues that this drill isn't working and we've got to adapt. So what are some of those cues and and how would you advise coaches to to uh, be willing to make changes on the fly.
1: I, I would say just don't be hard-headed. That's the big thing. We, you would yeah. see that a drill wasn't working. Either the players couldn't do it or the boredom. I mean, you, you know, every practice is going to be somewhat boring, at, at, you know, at some point. You're going to have to do that, even in the high school level. You can't play games all the time. I, You know, I can remember telling the kids at Willis, I said, my job is not to entertain you. My job is to, you know, to coach you and make you better as a player. And so, you know, but yet you have to trick them into thinking that they're just having fun, so I just say just just make sure you're aware and don't be afraid to change. And the other thing is, on your lesson plan, first of all, have a lesson plan, have something written down. I never have gone to a practice without a plan uh, written down. Sometimes I didn't pull it out, sometimes it's sitting in my pocket because I remember it, but but I always had it I could go back to. And uh, you know, just don't be hard headed there, and have more on that lesson plan than you think you're going to use. And that way, if a drill doesn't work, you're able to to you know make your adjustments.
0: Mm. Very good. And what are maybe some mistakes you've seen, uh, especially first year coaches make through the years? Obviously, there's a there's a lot of turnover at at the college level, but at at the high school level, I'd imagine it's even higher. And, And what are some of those mistakes that you see them make?
1: Yeah, um obviously you would you might think that some are mistakes, uh, but but I'm gonna preface this with saying that I never tried to be judgmental of, of a of another coach because you don't know what they're going through. You don't know their players. You might say, Oh, that coach isn't coaching the players enough, they're not talking to them. Well, it might be the type of players that they don't want them to talk to them, so right. you, you you can't be judgmental there. Uh, you know, I'd say a big a big thing is is uh, don't be intimidated by the players. Um, you know, you 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 if you as long as you get to know the players and and uh, um, you know know them personally and coach the uh, I would say coach the, the person, not coach the player. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you, I think it makes it easier in knowing what you. What you need to 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 tell them, or what they so intimidations in, and and uh, a big thing is you know we're in this uh, kind of dilemma right now of of should we allow on the court coaching? There's there's on the court coaching, but right now they have to go off the court after the after they coach during the changeovers, uh, and you'll have some coaches that literally will you know they'll play the first game, they'll go out there and try to talk to them instead of you know you've got to know when to talk and when not to talk and uh, you know so it, it's that's the part and, and and that's I'm very much for from from my position with TTC yeah, I'm for letting the coaches sit on the court I'm very much for that and the big reason is because you can stay into the matches so much easier you know can you imagine a college match you know trying to keep up with all of the matches and you can't sit on the court and so you know a parent come up to you another you, you daydream you know when you're off the court your mind wanders a little bit so uh, I think that's Uh, uh, you know just knowing your players and knowing uh, uh, what they need to hear at certain times and and then you you know spend a lot of time trying to figure out how can you make it fun how can you make that boring drill fun and uh, that's a you know just just the more you can make it fun the more they're going to enjoy coming out and want to spend time with you.
0: Mm -hmm. Very good and Obviously, you the TTCA coaches convention you've you've been um, done an amazing job with that over the last several years i think the the f- first virtual convention you did here like we've all had to move virtually but i th- i think maybe you had 70 60 speakers somewhere in that range we had about 65 speakers yeah. 65 speakers which is <laughs> phenomenal but through through all your years of being involved in that is there any Uh, presentation? Is there any piece of advice that has really stuck out to you and, and you've implemented as a high school coach?
1: Wow. I, uh, you know, I I don't know that one sticks out, and maybe as I'm talking here, something will stick out. But I was privileged to to listen to some unbelievable college coaches in the T, the ITA uh, conventions that I went to. You know, from Greg Patton, who's entertaining as anything, to, you know Dick Gould that's going to be you know it, it's just such a. Uh, an inspiration with what he's done with this program, Manny Diaz. I can remember him talking about building a team, uh, you know, and, and, and Sheila McInerney, I spent a lot of time with Sheila to, you know, kind of get know her and all that and, and, and kind of pick things from, from them. But, you know, um, in all my 42 years, I'd say even at the very end, 42 years of coaching, uh, the last year I'm still learning things. And I think that, uh, uh, when you go to the conventions, uh, they're they're so well worth doing, uh, uh, you know, watching those conventions and watching those sessions. But uh, and, and if you can pick one thing from a session, it's you've you've succeeded. You know, one or two things is a great convention. Yep. Uh, so just, you know, then there's always things like that that are out there. So uh, it's worth the money to, to get that. But, uh, you know, I'd say that the biggest thing is sitting down with the coaches and talking at dinner or. Uh, you know, around the bar or around the the, the the pool or wherever you're sitting around talking because they're all going through the same things you're going through. And you realize you thought that you were unique and having a player that was acting this way or, or whatever, and that's college or high school. But, you know, when you start talking to coaches, you realize everybody's dealing with the same things. And uh, so, you know, I, I'd say that's where the biggest things are... Uh, uh are learned i think is is off the outside of the convention sessions and and just visiting with people and uh you know so i very much support uh you know going to the ita convention going to the ttca convention they need to do those things because there's so many things that they can learn and that's it's dangerous when a coach feels like they know enough and they they're not going to get anything from it that's that's a dangerous situation in my opinion
0: yeah and a big reason why I've started this podcast for, for the college coaches, Bobby, is because those informal conversations that you have, like you said, around the pool or at the bar, that's as a young coach, that's where I picked up a huge amount, just exactly. picking the brains of, of coaches like yourself that are, are were several decades ahead of, of uh, anything that I was about to go through. So I figured you guys would, would have some answers, but <laughs> it's great now with the technology that we're able to, to share some of those stories yeah. and, and uh, coach. That might be intimidated to come up to, you know, Bobby Kleineke and, and ask you a question directly. Now they they get to hear some of some of your answers through the podcast, which is great. So, moving on, uh, you know, in the same vein. So, if there's a, a young coach about to start their very first season as a high school tennis coach, they're listening to this podcast. Um, they they haven't coached before. They love the sport. They love coaching. They love teaching. Uh, what advice would you have for that? a first year high school tennis coach? Uh,
1: I'd say the biggest thing is don't be afraid to ask questions because mm. people have gone through what you are and you might think it's a stupid question, but there, there are no stupid questions. Uh, everybody has had those same thoughts or questions in their mind. So, you know, be, be sure you're asking. And TTCA, we started a, uh, and I probably stole this from the ITA, we started a mentor program. And, uh, you know, we sent out a, a note and asked for, uh, you know, coaches that have been coaching for for you know, I can't remember if we put five plus 10 plus years, whatever it was. And we had them, uh, agree to get put on a mentor list. And we gave their area that they were, we gave their, their, their email, their cell number, uh, you know, the name obviously, and a little bit about them. And and so coaches could look at that list and say, okay, I can, if I'm dealing with something in, in West Texas here, I can go to this coach here and mm-hmm. and, and do that. So, uh, you know, we've started those kind of things, uh, be a sponge and, and, and uh watch and listen. You know, there's always things in front of you. I, I can remember watching coaches warm up. I always wanted to watch how another team warmed up, uh mm-hmm. whether it was high school or college, because you know, and then and then I might steal some ideas from them just by, just by watching. So, uh, you know, kind of be a sponge with that. Uh, you know, coaching is coaching. Uh, you know, you can talk to coaches from other sports. Uh, don't, don't feel like that that's that's out of the realm because you're still coaching kids and, uh, you know, sport might be different, but you, that that's still coaching. Um, I'd, I'd say, uh, spend time in life lessons and in, in high school. Uh, I know I, I did a lot in, in college, but, uh, you know, there was so much of the different emphasis there that it was kind of in, ingrained and in, in within the, the, the actual tennis part. But, but I think these high school kids, you know, they're so, so uh, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but they, 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 they're still growing. And so, you know, the life lessons are so important for them. Um, you know, I said, coach, the the person, not the player, uh, care mm-hmm. about them. You've got to make sure that you care about the kid, not just whether they win or lose. You, you, you care about that kid getting better and feeling good about themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and later down the road, you might take the, the, uh, worst player that you thought, you know, gave you the hardest time, they're going to come back later and thank you for what you did. I've had that numerous times uh, where, you know, I thought that they didn't like me and they, they came back and, and you know, the thank you. You helped me uh, understand. I didn't know it at the time, but you know, I see it now when the maturity hits in, they're going to do that. Uh, yeah. Enjoy the team that they have presently, I think, is a key thing. Um, you know, uh, I always had a saying that, uh, you know, if, if you get to that point where, gosh, I can't wait till this year's over with because this player is such a jerk, you know, that, that I, I can't wait till till they're gone. Well, you know what? I learned that, that you've got to be careful there because – somebody is always going to rise to the occasion to become that turn. <laughs> you know, that's, it's going to happen. So, uh, try not to take yourself too serious. You know, you, you, you know, you've got to look at what your, what your job is. And yes, you're there for tennis, but you're there for so many other things. So try not to be too serious. And, and, uh, uh, you know, in high school you have to share athletes. Um, I think that's, I don't care what level it is. It's, you don't have that in college, but in high school that, uh, you know, you, be aware of that and and don't worry about it, uh, you know, sharing an athlete because that's going to make them a better tennis player later on anyway. Um, mm-hmm. You know, spend as much time with your non-experienced kids. Don't don't spend your time with all of your, you know, your top kids because, you know, those other kids probably need you more. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, so I think that's, it's very good to, I mean, uh, it's necessary to, to keep going, uh, and, you know, be a role model and, uh, on and off how you react to certain situations. These kids are watching all the time and, uh, they're going to pick up on all those little things. So,
0: yeah, Bobby, that's an amazing list of, of advice. Thanks so much for, for sharing all that. That's, uh. Yeah, I think that will sit with a lot of people and be very helpful. So as you talked about in, in the 1980s when you first started coaching in high school, um, you know, and the difference is now, maybe not as much support, maybe not as much attention around the sport of tennis. Um, obviously tennis industry as a whole uh, um, has actually benefited a little bit from COVID uh, because there seems to be an increase in participation because it's a, it's a good socially distancing sport. Um, but would you have any tips for high school coaches as to how they can actually recruit players to to their teams, you know, is there anything that's worked well for you or or other coaches you've spoken to?
1: Yeah, like I, like you had you had said, and I said earlier that that when I did come back in there wasn't that 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 natural importance but I think you have to look for ways to create that importance right now and uh, uh, you know with the technology we've got social media you know uh, that those are those are key key things uh, you know I uh, I remember when I first went to Rudder that the tennis was really low there it was just you know a school that just you, you're not going to have a whole lot of good players come in so what I was trying to you know as a freshman coming in and all you're going to have to start from the from the, the bottom and work your way up there, and so I remember uh, before we played matches, I told the kids, "I want y'all wearing your your team shirts and uh, you know wear them to class." And uh, you know those are things to wear and you put yourself out there. So I think the more notoriety you can give your kids, the better that is. I always tried to take them on on overnight trips and and do different things there, um, and so I, I feel like that's. Uh, um, th- that that's another thing that will get players if they, if they see, Hey, we get to go down to Galveston for a weekend, you know, the it's not going to be the tennis tournament they're going to remember. They're going to remember the fun time they had off the court. Uh, I did a lot of that in college too. We always try to do fun things outside. We work hard, really, really hard when we're doing, you know, when we're playing, it's a business trip, but after the business is over with, let's go have fun with each other. Um, you know, another thing that, uh, I started and, and I did before is, you know, when I was in, in the eighties, I, I had a faculty tournament and, uh, you know, I wanted the, the, uh, kids to go ask a faculty member to go play doubles with them at the end mm-hmm. of the year. And I told them I said, don't go ask the favorite teacher, go ask your teacher that is giving you the hardest time that doesn't understand you because once they come out and get to know you, then they're going to be more for you. So, you know, and, and that went over really big. Uh, and so I, I did that every year, even when I came back, but something I started doing because I was trying to recruit players is we started having a student tournament and that actually was more fun for the kids. They would go out and ask, um, uh, fellow classmates that had never, I mean, the idea was you could never have played in a competitive, uh, mm-hmm you know, match, uh, our competitive team, uh, tennis team, but uh, they would go out and ask people to, to play and, and they had more fun with that. And I actually got players to come out after they played that, uh, you know, they came out and joined the team. So I thought that was a, a, a kind of a, it was fun. I did it for fun, but it actually turned into recruiting. <laughs> right. You know, uh, at, at times you would have students, if your courts are on campus, Kids are going to come by after school. They're waiting for their parents to pick them up. They're going to come out and, and ask what, you know, or look around what you're doing. Ask them to come out on the court. You know, there's there's players who come out to watch practice and I've brought them out. They start hitting some balls and all of a sudden, you know, they are say, hey, how can I join? you know um so i think that's can be be open to to all students would like that um you know we are still selling this sport as a sport of a lifetime it it is a sport of a lifetime covid has helped us. uh it's not about the wins if it, our win is going to be when they're playing tennis uh, 30 and 40 years from now uh if they're doing that we're successful um you know and and so i think that's uh that's some those are some just some key things that come to mind with that
0: mm-hmm. Very good. And Bobby, is there one drill that, that really works well across kind of all levels that you like to do with your team?
1: Well, uh, you know, some I like of
0: the, like to do with your teams. I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: It, it's, it's without explaining uh, you know, you can, all the drills that come to mind with this are, are fast moving fun drills where you, where it's almost necessary to have a lot of players, because with a high school team, if you can get them all together, they feel social. But yet, if you're moving fast, they're hitting a lot of balls. So uh, there was a drill that, that uh, we call Grand Central Station. And uh, it, it all came about uh, one year when I was down in Willis. Uh, uh, my assistant thought I was completely nuts, even taking them on an overnight trip. But we actually scheduled a trip to the U.S. Open. And we had to play to make it legal. We had to play a match, so we actually played uh, a, a school uh, there in New York on on Memorial Day. You know, we went up there and played them, and they set up a team. We and we played our format from down in Texas. But this uh, uh, Grand Central Station, you know, is is it gave my way of introducing what they had to do when they were going to walk through Grand Central Station, and and with the people walking around, and said, if you stop, you're going to get run over. So you better know where you're going. You better just keep moving. Uh, and get out of everybody else's way and that's what this drill is it's you know it's about five or six kids on the court hitting the ball at the same time with a, a you know a line of people but it moves so fast that that line is not a big deal and uh you know i think that's a that's a, a key one the essence of doubles i always like kind of later in my uh high school just you know in the last couple of years i came up with this one where and i don't know we, we always steal these draw these drills i don't know who i stole this from yeah. but you know where you're getting all types of balls and doubles and and uh you know so but again it's another fast moving drill where if this side wins then both both of them have to go to the other side, and two people feed in. But if the other side wins, they stay, and and only one person. So everybody, even in line, has to pay attention what's happening. So that's that's key. And uh, you know, really any cardio dr- drill or game, I think, is going to be key. Which is it's just fast moving and and fun for the kids.
0: Very good. And lastly then, Bobby, is there a a book that really had an impact on you as as a coach, uh, whether in college or high school, that you'd encourage other coaches to read?
1: Yeah, you, you told me this was coming. And my answer would be no, there's not one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a number of them. <laughs> yeah. some, some of them, you know, uh, and, and this went back as far as, and I used it in coaching too, but The Inner Game of Tennis by Timothy Galloway was a key book for me growing up mm-hmm. in, in college. And, and uh, you know, I just felt like that's, it, it, it's still, if, you know, you read it today, it's still going to be as, Uh, valuable to you as reading it back in the 70s when I was reading it for the first time. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you haven't read that, that's a key book to read. Uh, Mental Toughness Training for Sport. I got the chance to meet Jim Blair at one of the ITA conventions and uh, he wrote this book and I, I pulled things from it all the time, uh, building teams, uh, you know, all, all kinds of things from that, just the mental part of, of the game. I just felt like that's, uh, that's so important, whether it's college or high school, uh, I use that. Uh, another one, Alan Fox says, if I'm the better player, uh, why can't I win? Uh, you know, that's uh, uh, another one that, that I can I can just remember and I still, you know, take quotes from these books as, as we go now. Um, Winning Ugly uh, by Brad Gilbert uh, mm-hmm. is another one. There's just a, a key book there. Um, teams, if you haven't, uh, you know, every every coach should definitely read this. The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's based on a fable. It's by Patrick Len- Lencioni, I think is how you pronounce it. But uh, it's based on a fable, but it is so valuable, uh, whether you're a business, a team, uh, a board of directors, uh, you know, uh, whatever it is that the five dysfunction of a team is so applicable to wherever you're doing. And then, uh, you know, I ran into one just this uh fall that uh, last december when i was doing these recordings for our convention uh david smith's uh, high school coaching mastery uh is an unbelievable book for a high school coach it's like a it's just like a reference book that you can go to for any type of thing uh and, and david is i was very impressed with him in fact so much so that i had him do two sessions with us uh <laughs> So, uh, you know, very, very good guy out of, out of the. Uh, I think he coached in California, along with. Uh, I think he's in Utah right now, but uh, you know, it's a high school coaching mastery is a great book there. Great. So Those were kind of some of the key books.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great list. Coaches have their, their reading list now set for the summer. <laughs> so they will uh, chip away at those. But thanks for sharing all those books. And, and Bobby, thanks for sharing all your, your, your well, not all your wisdom, but some of your wisdom today with the, the high school coaches. I know they'll really appreciate it. So thanks yep. for, for giving this a go. First episode. Well Thank done. you
1: for, for doing it I, and, and for asking me. I, th- I think this is good. And I, I look forward to listening to some other coaches also.
0: Right. Thank you, Bobby.